great to be here. Uh, Michael is, I think he's on vacation. I don't know, but um, I'm filling in for Michael tonight. And uh, I preach at Liberty Christian Church, which is off Skyline Road in deep South Salem. And Michael's preaching for me uh, at the end of next month. So it's fun to do these pulpit swaps. Uh, I really love what you guys are doing. And uh, I pray for you guys a lot. And I think about you guys a lot. Uh, I was involved in a church plant over on the coast, and I, I love church plants, and you guys are in the trenches, so good job. Um, appreciate you guys. We're, we're going to walk through John chapter 3 tonight. We're going to reflect on the most popular Bible verse uh, in our country, John 3. Do you remember what it is, Austin? John three sixteen, right? Yes. Um, and what I want to reflect on is the concept of moving from the idea of the knowledge of God the knowledge of the love of God, and then the experience of the love of God. I think in our culture, we are very good at the knowledge aspect of things. We love the Bible studies. We love going to church. And and we kind of get into this rut as followers of Jesus that if we continue to do more and more and more, then we'll experience the love of God. And then We have this mentality in our lives that if we do a good job, if we go to church, and if we go to those Bible studies, and if we volunteer at church, God loves us more, and if we don't do those things, then God loves us less. And this is a theological belief that has kind of lived as a shadow in my life, as in I haven't really realized it just until really a couple of of years ago. And if we talk about wanting to reach people with the message of Jesus— and being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, how can we give to people what we don't have ourselves? And so it's it's the journey of learning to experience the love of God and know that Jesus lives in you. You believe in Jesus and his death and his resurrection. He lives in you. The decisions that you make and the mistakes that you will make, raise your hand if you've made mistakes before, all of us, right? It doesn't jurisdict how much God loves you. God loves you the same even if you make mistakes. And really, it's a legalistic view of if I do more, then God will love me more. If I volunteer more, if I read my Bible more, if I pray more. Again, it's this legalistic framework, and really that pulls us away from God's true love for us. But if we experience his true love for us, then we we pray to God, not because we feel like we have to, because we need it for survival. So I've been in church ministry for a decade, And I I just had this realization that this was my theology for basically my entire Christian walk. I thought the more I did, the more I went to church, the more God would love me. And every time uh, I've taken the next step and even becoming a pastor, I'm like, maybe if I become a pastor, then I'll I'll experience God's true love. It's, It's not about that. It's not about what we do. It's simply who you are as a child of God, loved by God. So I was frustrated about a year ago, and I said, I, I just feel like I'm stuck in a rut. Do you guys ever feel this way? Like spiritually, it's like you're praying to God, and the prayers just bounce off the ceiling and then land back on you, and you're like, you feel like you're talking to nothing? It was like one of those moments, and I thought to myself, I, I, I've got to do more. Something's not working in my life. So my, my wonderful wife says, Stephen, just go and, and take a day. Go and just spend time with God. And so in my mind, I thought to myself, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do more to experience God's love for me. So I had a whole day mapped out. I live in South Salem, and I said, no, I'm going to one of my favorite coffee coffee shops over the Urban Grange in West Salem off Edgewater. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to experience God's love for me. I'm going to do more so I'll experience God's love for me. So I woke up that morning, I got my stuff together, you know, ah, you know, I drove quietly to the coffee shop and 
I started studying and praying and it was still like nothing. Uh, prayers still going up and down and I got some work done, but I just something was off. And so I said, okay, I just need to keep doing more, right? Because that's my theology. It's obviously something I'm doing that's wrong. I gotta do more. So I said, I'm gonna grab a sandwich. I'm gonna go down to the amazing riverfront park and I'm going to view God's beautiful creation. I'm gonna sit at this beautiful picnic table. I'm gonna look at the Willamette River. I'm gonna look at God's beauty and I'm gonna say, ah, there's God's love for me. I experience it now. I'm just gonna keep doing more. I'll experience God's love. So I pulled up to the park, got out of my car, and I started walking, had my sandwich with me, and I was walking down the sidewalk right along the river, and then I noticed there was a homeless guy to the left at one of these benches. It was like a spring day about a year ago. It's pretty warm outside. Kids were playing in, the, playing in the splash pad, and I'm walking down, and I see this homeless guy there, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, he's fine, whatever, and I keep moving on, and I felt Holy Spirit's conviction. Okay, I'll give him some dollars. So I turned around, pulled my wallet out, gave him a couple of dollars. I said, all right, my Christian duty is done. Now I'm here to experience the love of God. So I went up and I continued to walk until there's this little bench, um, picnic table area. I started eating my sandwich, looking over the beauty of the Willamette River, right? I'm like, this is it. Taking a deep breath, praying to God. There was a little bit of a rabid duck I had to kind of kick away. He was trying to eat my food. But other than that, peace, peaceful. And I was sitting there and I'm like, still, still nothing. Like, I keep trying to do more. Like, this is how it works, right? More knowledge, more doing, then we experience God's love. That's it. This is my theology that I had. And then I felt the Holy Spirit's conviction within me saying, Stephen, I would like you to go talk to the homeless man that you walked by and gave some dollars. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to do it. Have you said that to God? He felt conviction, kind of like Jonah. Go talk to these people about, about God and his saving love and power. And, and then he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm going to run away. Have you guys done this before? It's just, just me. I said, I don't really want to do it. So I just sat there, continued to eat my sandwich and defending myself from the rabid ducks. And then I felt like, okay, fine, God, I'll do it. But I'm going to walk the long way around the park. And if the homeless guy is gone, then I, I'm scot-free, right? I don't have to deal with this anymore. So I left my sandwich spot and I started going around the, uh, the riverfront park along the, the long way around. And I came back and what did you know it? He's still there. So I said, okay. God, I'll, I'll talk with him. So I sit down on the bench next to him and we just start having a conversation. This is, uh, again, it's over a year ago. And he was telling me his story. I learned that his name was Ted. Ted has been in and out of Union Gospel Mission multiple times. He's done the rehab program in, coming out and stuff. And we're just sitting there and I'm chatting with him again. I'm like, a, I'm a pastor, right? I'm supposed to be super spiritual and, and know all these things. Yet here I am at the park, not even trying to figure out the love of God. And we're talking, he's saying, he, he says, Stephen, you know, uh, my, my, my family left me, my wife left me, my kids left me. And, and he said, but you know what? I know that when I stand at the pearly gates, I will be forgiven. And there I was, and it's like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Here I am, a, a pastor, supposed to know these things, right? And I thought to myself, Ted knows more about the love of God than I do. And from that point on, uh, my relationship with God began to change. I began to read the Bible in a new way because before I used to read the Bible because I thought if I didn't read the Bible, I thought God was gonna hate me. I felt like if I didn't read the Bible in the morning, you know, I was a, I'd be a bad Christian. 
I didn't post the Bible verse enough times on Instagram. That's kind of a joke, but you know what I'm talking about. You gotta pray enough, you gotta do this enough, but the place where it was coming out of my life was not one of, of love for God. It was unhealth for me. And I learned that God loves me. And even though I make mistakes, and you will make mistakes, I will make mistakes, God loves me. It is who he is. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. And then again, I, I began to read the Bible because I needed it. And then I, I began to go and, and pray in the evening time because I needed it. It wasn't out of, I thought God was gonna hate me, it's because I needed to survive, honestly. There's a, a spot by my house, it's about five minute bike ride. Uh, I called it my spot. I go there, it's right underneath a big oak tree, overlooks a little field, and I just go there and I sit down in silence and I pray to God. Sometimes I, I duke it out with God, and you know, I don't know if you've had those prayers with God before, of God, why is this happening in my life? Why are you allowing this? Why that? And I've learned that prayer is more about not asking for things. It's not a bad thing to ask for things, but it's more of us learning to submit to the will that God has for us. Jesus says, let thy will be done, not mine. And having the faith and the trust that God knows better than me or than you. And so it began the journey in my life of pursuing the love of God, the true love of God, not out of a legalistic theology, but out of more of a biblically rooted theology. So all that for intro for John chapter three, Jesus is having a conversation, gonna have a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus who is a Pharisee. If we wanna talk about knowledge, Pharisees had a lot of knowledge, more than you and I could even imagine. So John chapter three, verse one, says there's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Some theologians believe in the evening time, he came out, he was embarrassed, you know, um, in, the, in his world, Jesus was not the most popular character. Uh, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So here's Nicodemus, has more knowledge than you or I could even imagine. Most theologians believe, from what I have read, Pharisees had Genesis, uh, the Pentateuch memorized. They could quote every single aspect of it. In fact, I read this article um, from a ministry called Making Life Count Ministries and said, in a Pharisee's family, when a boy turned two years old, they would take the scroll of the law, the Torah, and they would put honey on it and have their child lick it so their earliest memory would be, how sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. So two years old, they would take honey, put on the scroll. Imagine you have a two-year-old, you slap some honey on the Bible and you say, go for it, buddy, because I want you to know how sweet the word of God is. At four years old, the child, the boy would start memorizing the book of Leviticus. I don't know if you've read through the book of Leviticus, not highly entertaining, if I'm honest with you. Can you imagine parents, four-year-old, teaching them to memorize Leviticus? Lord, help us all. Humility right there. By 12 years old, he had memorized Genesis through Deuteronomy, and as a teenager, he memorized the prophets and the Psalms. So again, in Jesus' time, there was no New Testament. He was living it out. 
So Pharisees would basically have the entire Bible of their day memorized. They could quote the entire thing. Yet here's this guy, Nicodemus, with all of this knowledge, yet he says, there's something that Jesus has that I want. There's some aspect that he has that I don't. And so here he comes with all of his knowledge coming to question Jesus in the middle of the night. How is this conversation gonna go? So Jesus responds to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He says, Nicodemus, you need a new perspective. You're viewing your relationship with God like a math problem. Five plus five equals 10. He says, no, you need to change your complete perspective. It's not just about knowledge. There's something else that you are missing, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus hears this, he's like, hold up. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God? He's thinking to himself, what is this guy talking about? This is like mind blown. Like, I, I don't even know where, where Jesus is talking. Like, that's not in the, in the Old Testament. Like, what, what is he talking about? And so Nicodemus says in verse four, he says, what do you mean speaking to Jesus? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? This makes absolutely no sense, he says. And Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus, you gotta view this from a different angle, my friend. You're so stuck in this knowledge frame, you're missing the entire beauty of the, the reason why we have scripture. It's the most beautiful love story of all time, and yet Nicodemus is so hypervigilant in this one little thing, which is good, but without the love of God, it is nothing. So Jesus is teaching him to look at it from a, a different angle. And Jesus replied to Nicodemus, I assure you, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to do something new. He says, I'm coming to fulfill all of the law that you know. And in verse nine, Nicodemus asks, how are these things possible? So you can see in his mind, he's still stuck. He's probably still stuck on the man crawling back into the womb thing because that would be a mind twister, right? a mind bender, right? Like this is making me feel highly uncomfortable. <laughs> but he's still stuck. He's just viewing it from this lens of like, like, I just don't get it. You know, he's thinking five plus five equals 10. And Jesus is thinking like, no, you got to take a step back, Nicodemus. You got to see the big picture. You have so much knowledge and it's a wonderful thing. But knowledge without love is nothing. Knowledge without the love of God will lead you onto a legalistic path. Jesus says in verse 10, Jesus replied to Nicodemus after he says, how are these things possible? Nicodemus said, Jesus said, you are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe in our testimony. 
But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? So he's teaching about this different perspective. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is teaching Nicodemus to view this from a new perspective, and he quotes the Old Testament, which more than a doubt, Nicodemus knows exactly what he's talking about. Jesus is quoting Numbers 21, verse 8 through 9, and it says, uh, the Lord said to Moses, and this is Numbers 21, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And you actually can see this symbol almost every day if you commute to work. If you've ever seen an ambulance with a little staff on the side with the snakes wrapped around it, that's from the Bible. And Jesus says just then when, uh, when the Israelites looked to the staff and they were saved, now you must look to the Son of Man, Jesus speaking upon himself, and you will be saved. So I think in Nicodemus' mind, it was starting to click because Jesus was speaking his language. And then he just drops this truth bomb right here in John 3, verse 16. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life, the most famous Bible verse in the world. And for the majority of my life, being raised in the church, my relationship with God was, if I messed up, I felt like God would love me less. I felt like the weeks where I didn't read my Bible, that God hated me, he didn't want anything to do with me. I felt, I felt like if I didn't pray, right? If I didn't volunteer enough, didn't do these things enough. And then I just learned, I hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of humility that I was wrong, that my theology was really bad, and that God loves me because of nothing that I have done, but by everything that Jesus has done for me. So when we stand before the judgment seat of God someday, and there's a 100% fatality rate, you're all gonna die. <laughs> you stand before the judgment seat of God. What God sees is not your mistakes and your sin, what God sees for those with Jesus is exactly that, Jesus, his sacrifice. And scripture says you will be seen as whiter than snow. Isn't this great news? Man, this is good stuff. This is called the gospel. It's the hope of the, hope of the world. And this is the message that the church is called to, to bring to the world. And I thought, if I mess up, God loves me less. I just realized it wasn't true. That even in the most broken and painful moments of your life, in pain and brokenness and, and suffering, God is right there with you. He walks along life beside you, even in your mistakes. Does that mean that we're void of all consequences in this life? Absolutely not. There are still a lot of consequences for our decisions. But what blew my mind and changed my life was that though we still have consequences, it doesn't change God's love for you. He loves you because it is who he is. He loves you because he loves you because he, he loves you.
Jesus continues his conversation with Nicodemus in verse 17. He says, God sent his son, speaking of Jesus, into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus not to smite, right? But to save, to love. Now, we can't force anybody to believe anything. I wish we could. I mean, parenting would be a lot easier. It doesn't work that way. But we were called to bring the message of love and hope to the world, knowing that this is the hope that we believe in. This is a, a free gift that God has given you and I. In John 8, verse 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, translation say, you are free indeed. And what pains me is that there are a lot of followers of Jesus walking around still bound in chains of legalism and not fully experiencing the love that God has for you, knowing that you can make mistakes and it doesn't change the way God loves you, though there will be consequences at times. And again, changing your framework, it completely uh, changes your relationship with God. You start pursuing God, not because, again, you feel like you have to, but because you want to. You need him to survive. Uh, I go to my, my secret spot under the oak tree, and I, these days I'm like, I don't know what I'd do without it. I would be a royal mess. When I uh, wake up in the morning and I read scripture, it's not because I feel like if I don't, God's gonna hate me. It's because I need his word in my life because if I don't have it, I'm a mess. I need God's love for survival. And I want you to know tonight that God loves you tremendously and that you will make mistakes and there may be consequences for those mistakes, but it does not change God's love for you. And this is the beauty of the church, that we're all broken people. We all make mistakes. We all raise our hand. I think we all said we all make mistakes. But it's when we come together in humility and when there's vulnerability and when we can apologize to those when we make mistakes and we say, I'm sorry, I was like, I was way wrong. I was just out there. Would you forgive me? Isn't that the beauty of the church? And isn't it a beautiful thing where... Uh, the church body is not about vindication, but more reconciliation. This is the hope that we believe in. Being founded on Jesus and his death and his resurrection and the message of his love and his compassion. And then it's understanding the knowledge piece. It's a good thing. We wanna study the Bible. We wanna learn more about God. But we utilize that knowledge to more effectively disciple people and share the love of God because this is the hope of the planet. Can I get an amen from the church? Amen. Well, let's close in prayer and then the, the team's gonna come and we're gonna close in worship together this evening. Thank you for allowing me to come uh, speak and thank you to Michael who's listening to this probably later this week. Uh, I love you guys. Let's, let's pray together as we close. God in heaven, I thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for Valley Church for what you're doing in this community. I pray that you encourage this church this evening. I pray that there's someone in this room who has had a bad theology like me, that tonight you will transform their relationship with you, that we pursue the love of God, not because we feel like God's gonna hate us if we don't, 
but it's because we need the love of God in our life. That we read scripture not to puff ourselves up, but to love others better. That we follow in the words of Jesus, that we deny ourselves and we pick up our own cross and we follow in Jesus' example. That we wash the feet of our enemies. We deny ourselves and we pursue Jesus. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Be with us this evening as we close in worship together. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.